morning. Bless you all. It is wonderful to worship with you today. I don't know about you, um, but as I listened to the words of those songs that we sang on the heels of a Thanksgiving week of learning what it means to be thankful, to be grateful, and realizing how blessed we are, I just sense the presence of the Lord here this morning. I really sense his presence. There's no greater blessing than truly knowing that you are a son and a daughter of God through Jesus Christ. There's just no greater blessing than that. There's no greater blessing than knowing that he will speak to you and he is with you now. And that your eternal presence in heaven is guaranteed with him. That your journey through this life, regardless of the valleys, the trenches, you belong to Jesus. And when you belong to God through Jesus, you are eternally guaranteed a place of perfection and home in heaven. There's just no greater blessing than being a son or a daughter of Jesus Christ by faith. And I just really sense that this morning. It's good to be back with you this uh, morning. So grateful to worship with you. Um, and last week, by the way, I, I just think Pastor Noah did a wonderful job of talking about what it means to be blessed. This series, there are four takeaways that we're going through on what it means to get better. How do you get better? better in life? How do you move out of difficult seasons, challenges, or even when you're walking through moments and, and maybe you feel blessed, you sense goodness, you're one of those where it just always seems to turn to gold in your life for some reason. How do you not take that for granted and how do you continue to get better, not only as a person, but as a son and a daughter of Jesus Christ, as a child of God, how do you get better? Well, it begins with learning what it means to be thankful. Because when you're thankful for what you have, what God is doing for you, you are on a process to moving through whatever season and just becoming a better follower of Christ, a better person in this world. It then moves to being grateful. And when you're grateful, which is different, grateful is kind of that internal expression that you just feel. But when you turn your gratitude from inward, turn it upward to God, you're on the process of being grateful for what he's done, and you're on the process of getting better. The third thing, Pastor Noah talked about it last week, and boy, was it really good. If you go back and you look at what it means to be blessed, we are all blessed. And he had three great takeaways. I, I hope that you heard them. If not, they were powerful. The first one that really stood out to me as I, as I listened to him was just this reality that sometimes we are more thankful and seeking more of the gift than the giver. And to truly be blessed is to focus on the giver. I think that's why it was so special just to know and sense the presence of God here today because it is the giver of the blessings, not the blessing itself. Um, he also talked about just the reality that we don't want to be blessing hoarders, but we want to be the kind of people that because we are blessed, we bless others. And then that, that first point, I, that really stood out that he shared. You know, it's not focusing on the blessings that you want, but on the blessings that you have. And to be blessed is to focus on what God has given you. Because in the journey, and we're all in a journey, to get to what's out there, it begins with being thankful, grateful, and blessed with what you have. Because that's what leads to what's next. So what a great, great passage 
Um, and speaking of being a blessing, that video you just saw about us being on mission during the Christmas season. So yeah, I mean, as you look around, as you recognize all of the battles and challenges that we fought through this fall, um, we have things that we're trying to take care of here. And this Christmas season, we're focusing on that, giving to that. But I don't ever want to be that kind of place that doesn't focus on helping others. So you saw that missions video. We're still on mission, right? We're still helping others. And, and what you saw today helps remind us of why we give. Um, we give not just to take care of our own house, but we give to be on mission with the Lord and his work to continually share the gospel with others. And today, that's the fourth principle. I want you to get your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians. Four ways that you can get better in life, learning to be thankful, grateful, recognizing that you are indeed already blessed. And then the fourth one, this one stands out as we move into Christmas. I think it sets the stage Really, not only for Christmas, but for what we're going to do in just a moment as a church family by taking communion, the Lord's Supper, together. Because there is a reality that to move forward in life, to continue to get better, to express your faith, one of the most practical outlays of faith, one of the most practical expressions of us being grateful, of us being thankful and being blessed is when we give. And today, the fourth step in moving forward in life and just becoming that kind of person that senses the presence of God is when we learn to give. There's nothing more satisfying as an individual to know that you have done something to give of yourself to someone else. There's nothing more satisfying to know that not only do you give, but you give abundantly, generously, above and beyond what would just be a token drop of some change in a bucket to do something that's truly exceptional, supernatural. And what you're going to see today is that when we give, there's a reason that we give, and there's a result of what we give. God blesses those who give. God blesses those who give Last week, Pastor Noah talked about not being a, a blessing hoarder, but a blessing giver. Why? Because God said to Abraham, I will bless you, but for a very explicit purpose. I bless you, says the Lord, so that you will be a blessing. Genesis chapter 12, as he looked at. Today, as we look at 2 Corinthians, we're going to go to chapter 9. And we're going to see how the Apostle Paul talks about the power of giving, and he addresses this letter to a church. And I love this letter, 2 Corinthians, because it, it follows 1 Corinthians. And if you're a student of the scripture, what you know is that the letter of 1 Corinthians was written to a church and a group of people who were off point. <laughs> they were living for themselves. They were doing a lot of things that were just out of bounds when it came to God's will. And that's what they were doing. In the first letter of Corinthians, Paul writes to them and says, Hey guys, you're out of bounds. I realize you're doing what you think is right and what may be normal for your culture, but that's just out of bounds for God's children. That's not for you. So the first letter that he writes them is to call them out. Who likes to be called out? Nobody, right? That's what he does. What's awesome about the second letter that we'll look at a glimpse of today is that the first letter, he calls them out. The second letter, he compliments them. 
What does that mean? Well, they made a course correction in their life to get better. And what you're going to see identifies them as having moved forward in their relationship with God and become better as a people and better as a church and better as followers of Jesus is that they learned to give. They learned to express what was happening on the inside outwardly in their giving. The Bible says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 5 through 14, it talks about this reality of giving. And in that, as the Lord you know, shows us the power of giving, there are some things that stand out. Now, I did something this morning, so we're going to read it together right here because I want Paul, the Apostle Paul to really speak to us before we go into our moment of communion. As you see the words there on your screen, the Apostle Paul says this, I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Look at that. So that it will be ready as a generous gift, not one grudgingly given. Now, how many times when we give, do we do so grudgingly? Do we do so with the people around us and do we think, or, or maybe it's to the church or maybe it's to that person that you'll see ringing the bells, uh, you're bothering me, so I'm going to throw a little something at it. That's not a generous gift. Paul begins to say, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. That's a biblical principle that helps all of us understand how to move forward in our giving. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, all that you need, you will abound in every good work. The scripture continues, as it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. So something about scattering, something about giving elevates your righteousness in the eyes of God. And he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply, look at this, and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in what? Thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in the many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. And thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now in this passage, as Paul writes to the Corinthians, what he's talking about is their gift 
to the Christian church in Jerusalem that had come under persecution and had become one of the places that was struggling in this season of life. The Corinthian church, as we've talked about before, was a church that was blessed. They were in a hub of economic prosperity. They had a lot of good things going for them. And Paul recognized that there was one church that needed their help, and it was the church of the apostles in Jerusalem, which was under direct persecution. So the church in Corinth, because of their growth of faith, because of their change of lifestyle, because of their relationship with God, they committed to help that church there in Jerusalem. It's fascinating because that still happens today. There was a friend of mine, and I just want to say thank you to him because his church in South Florida reached out to us knowing that we've walked through the storm in our region recently and some of the challenges that we continue to overcome. And he basically came up here from South Florida, and he was visiting us, and he took a look around the church this week, and he, he basically said, our missions team, we want you to express what you're walking through, and we want you to reach out to us through what's going on, deductibles, et cetera, post-Ida, et cetera, because we want to be a blessing to you. Now, that's a church that's also been through hurricanes in South Florida, but they're walking through a season of life where they want to partner and help out the people of New Orleans. It still happens today. Why? Because part of expressing yourself as a child of God is about giving. And here's the life lesson today. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write this down. But to move forward and get better in life, that's kind of been the framework. We talked about being thankful. We talked about being grateful. Well, here's the third one for you today as I've written this out for you. To move forward and get better in life, give sacrificially out of what God has given to you. If you want to move forward and get better in life, when you recognize that you have been blessed, what do you do with the blessing? You give sacrificially out of what God has given to you. And in this passage, there are a few things that I think really set us up, not only for the Christmas season, but I would even say more practically for what we're going to do in just a few moments by taking communion. There are some things that really set up what it means to be blessed as a child of God and how to learn what it means to give out of what God has given. Here's the first thing. When I look at the passage today, Paul reminds the church of Corinth, as they are generous to the church in Jerusalem, you just cannot, cannot outgive God. So that's the first thing. God, He cannot be outgiven. There's just no way to outgive the Lord. Psalm 105, verses 1 through 5, it says this Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Sounds like a song, doesn't it? Some of you are singing it right now. You remember that song. I, I remember that song too. But what a great song. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Why? Bless the Lord, my soul, and do not forget any of his benefits. Do you live under any of the benefits of the Lord? Can you list out some of the benefits that God has done for you, for your household, for your family, for those that you love? Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and do not forget any of his benefits. Oh, and if, by the way, you might have forgotten some of his benefits, Psalm 105 says this. He pardons all your guilt. Anybody grateful for that? You can't outgive a God who pardons our iniquity. Who heals all your diseases. He heals 
all your diseases. One way or another, God's in the healing business. He's in a way of healing all of our diseases. He redeems our life from the pit. You ever lived in a pit, walked through a pit, tried to climb out of a pit, been in a pit? He redeems your life from the pit. It means he gives you a whole new life, a whole new start. He crowns you with favor and compassion. There's nothing greater than the favor of God on your life and his compassion. And God doesn't just place that on you as his child. You can't outgive him because he crowns you with that. Do you know what crowns signify? Royalty. And as a child of God, he crowns us with his favor and his compassion. And the Lord, the last one, he satisfies your years with good things. He satisfies your years with good things. You see, life is a journey and the Lord is with us in the journey and he satisfies us along the way with good things. He even goes on and says in Psalms 105, he renews your strength like the eagle. So God is in the process in our lives of blessing us and giving and there's just no way that we can outgive the Lord. Psalm 116 verse 12, it says, what shall I return to the Lord for all of his goodness to me? It's a question. David's asking, what shall I give back to God for all of his goodness to me? That's kind of a funny question, right? Because what is it possible that I could give to God that would express in return all of his goodness, all of his desire to give? This is what David's answer is. I will lift up the cup of salvation and I will call upon the name of the Lord and I will fulfill my vows to the Lord. That's his response. What can I give God? Well, I tell you what I can give. I will lift up the cup of salvation. In other words, God, thank you for the salvation that you've given to me and I will call on him. What can I return to the Lord? I can return praise to him for what he's done and what God has put into my heart. I will fulfill that. I will walk and live by what he's done. So I can't out give him, but one of the things that I can do is I can praise him and I can out of what he has given to me, I can give. And when you look at the text of second Corinthians, what Paul is saying to the church there is look, God is going to provide your seed. God is going to provide the harvest. You just cannot outgive him. Psalm 118 verse 1 says this, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Do you know the second part? For his love endures when? Forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness endures forever. Not just now, not just tomorrow, forever. God's love towards us, we just can't outgive him. And when we learn that we cannot outgive him, and he is tremendously gracious, compassionate, showing his favor upon his children, that then allows me this position, and Paul was teaching this to the church of Corinth, that when I give, and I give specifically, clearly to him, that is something that matters that he is going to provide for, that he is going to cover, because those are the kind of people that God is in the business of blessing. Those who trust him and give to him and his work and his ministry, those are the kind of people that he blesses. The other thing that stands out to me from the passage is not only that the Lord cannot be outgiven, 
But also, here's a great promise. The Lord will provide. He will provide. Now, I, this morning, even with one of our church members, was talking with them before church. And, and I recognize that during this season of life, there's a lot of people going through change. And, and this person now is dealing with a job loss and a potential career change. So that's a reality for our region, for a lot of people in this season of life. There's no greater word right now than the Lord will provide. His wife got him a journal. I, I love this. They were sharing this with me. Um, and it really just encapsulates who God is for us in the midst of those moments when we cannot see him working in the trenches. Trust the journey. He's with you in the journey. Trust the Lord in the journey. Why? When you trust the Lord in the journey, you have this guarantee that he will provide. And Paul is reminding the church in Corinth that just as he has provided for them in the past, by them providing for a church in need in the present, God is also going to provide for them in the future. And that is something very true of a principle of learning to give, of learning to give generously, of learning to give sacrificially. Giving is one of those things that reminds us that when I give, the Lord will provide. When I trust the Lord, He will provide. Can I ask you a very personal question today? What is it that you need the Lord to provide? What is it that you need the Lord to do personally? I'm not talking about corporately. I'm not saying, hey, give this, because you know I'm not, I'm not for that. Give this, and the Lord will give you a hundredfold. There are a lot of people making a living off of that. I'm not for that, right? I just want to ask you a personal question. What is it that you need God to provide? Do you trust that he can provide that for you? Is he able to provide that for you? Part of the expression of faith in knowing that God can provide is not hoarding blessings, but giving, being generous, continuing to trust him. When you trust him for what it is that you need, God just has a way of providing for those who give to him. That's what Paul is talking to the Corinthian church about. And it's a reminder of even what Pastor Noah shared last week when he was talking about Abraham. Abraham's story was a journey, right? And we have to trust that God is in the process of not giving us today necessarily what we want. He allows us to focus on what we have now because the journey, he's got something here, but he doesn't always reveal it in the presence right now. He has a journey for us before he reveals it, but he always provides. How do we know this? What's the most critical moment in Abraham's life that we know of? Now, Pastor Noah referenced it last week that God promises Abraham, you are going to be a father of nations. But you don't become a father of nations if you don't have a progeny. You don't have a child. You don't have an offspring, right? And so what do Abraham and Sarah do that whole time? And Pastor Noah talked about it. Well, God, where are you at? God, we need a child. God, where are you at? You promised this. You promised this. You promised this. And then you fast forward to the reality that through this crazy turn of events, and Pastor Noah talked about it, so I'm not re-preaching his message. I just want to show this because I think it's really cool of what he said last week. This crazy turn of events, they have a child, right? 
And then God says, oh, and if you really trust me, I want you to give me that child. Except he says it in a really weird way to us. He says, I want you to give me that child by sacrificing that child to me. Now, that's really weird. But that was normal for the culture that Abraham lived in because all of the gods of the world back then required a sacrifice. And if you really loved your God and all the cultures and tribes of the people of that day, if you really loved your God, you would sacrifice what was most important to you. And most of the people groups of that time believed in child sacrifice. If you really wanted to please your God, you would sacrifice, literally sacrifice, like take the life of your child. Moms and dads, sorry, I should have told you to cover your kids' ears right now because they're going to go home and go, Mom and Dad, do you really love me enough? You're going to sacrifice that? No, like I said, that was really weird, all right? That was back then. That's not today. And so boys and girls, as you're listening, Mom and Dad are not going to do that to you because that was wrong. How do we know that was wrong? Well, God is testing Abraham in this moment, and Abraham brings Isaac to this point of sacrifice, right? Did God allow Abraham, the father of the Christian faith, to sacrifice his child just like all the other world religions and gods would require? Did God of heaven, the loving God of scripture, allow that? What's the answer? No. It's a resounding no. What happens? Abraham is listening to God because he trusts God and he's going through this moment of trying to understand what God's saying. So he goes through the whole process of binding up Isaac, putting him on the wood, and, and he's there. I'm willing to sacrifice. And he goes to this moment, and you know the story if you've been in church long enough or vacation Bible school, or if you don't, you're just joining us. Here's what happens. Abraham's ready to sacrifice his son, just like all the other gods of the world would require. And God halts his hand and says, stop. Do not take the life of your child. Basically saying, I'm not like all the other gods. I see that you trust me. Therefore, I have provided a sacrifice. And what happens? There's a ram, a lamb provided by God, right? Tangled up in the bushes. And God says, there's your sacrifice. And Abraham sacrifices this innocent animal in the place of his son. Now, if that doesn't make the connection to where we are today and what we're about to do in a moment, nothing will. Because there was an innocent sacrifice given in our place so that we wouldn't have to be the sacrifice. And with that, God Provided. I think what's most beautiful about that, and a reminder though, that Paul hammers home to the church of Corinth, but also it's a reminder to us today, that place became a special place for Abraham. This is what Abraham named the place, Genesis 22:14. 14. Abraham called that place, catch this, the Lord will provide. And to this day, in Genesis chapter 22, where it was recorded, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. What do you need provided? Abraham had a name for the place, the Lord will provide. Do you have a place in your life where you know and you've secured the Lord will provide? And the Lord provided the sacrifice, but the Lord also provided life. And likewise for you and I, the Lord will provide. What is it that you need the Lord to provide? He will provide on the mountain of the Lord. It is provided from the mountain of the Lord, from the bounty of God. He has the ability to provide. And sometimes we just need to mark it down. And one of the ways we can mark it down is by going, God, I'm going to give. I'm willing to give. I trust you. And I know you will provide. It's a beautiful picture of how God takes care of his children. 
God has a way of taking care of those who trust him. And he will provide to us in those moments of great need. And before we go into the moment of the Lord's Supper and communion together, I just want to emphasize the last thing. As Paul writes this church, he's teaching them that you cannot, out, you cannot outgive God. God will always provide. But here's the important thing. The Lord, he blesses those who give to him. There's just a practical reminder as Paul says, look, your story is going to be told you're going to be told because look at what Jesus has done in you and for you. And we just want to thank God for his indescribable gift. As Paul reminds them of that, it is a reminder that God blesses those who give to him. Psalm 112 verse 5, it says this, It goes well for a person. Anybody need it to go well for them? Anybody need it to go well? You want it to go well for you. In other words, it's good for a person. Who's it good for? Who does life seem to work out for? Who does life seem to work out? You know, it's people it never works out for, right? Well, who does it work out for? It will go well for those who are gracious and give. God will maintain their cause in the judgment. It goes well for those who are gracious and give because the Lord will maintain their cause in the judgment. I don't know about you, but I received that blessing. <laughs> Lord, I will happily be gracious in giving to you and to your work because I know that you're on my side. And when you trust the Lord with what you have, using it as a blessing, sometimes it's financial and you give. You tithe, you make offerings to your church. Sometimes you help a family member or a friend. Sometimes it's using the resource that you have to be a blessing to someone else. Hey, we have this place and we want to use it for someone who is displaced. There are ways that you can use what you have to be a blessing to others in the name of Jesus. God has a way of blessing those who give to him. Why? Because he knows, just as Paul said to the church of Corinth, when you use what you have for the Lord, guess what he knows that you are? A steward of blessings. You're not a hoarder of blessings. You're a giver of blessings. And when you're a giver of the blessings that God has given to you, what can God do for you? He can give you more. God sees all of our hearts. And when he knows that we're faithful with what we have, some have more, some have little. You know what's fascinating to me as a pastor? Just fascinating little detail. Um, maybe I shouldn't reveal this, but it's just fascinating. I've seen God do more through people who I know give sacrificially, not out of their abundance, but out of their little. I've seen God do more through those who are faithful with what God has given than I've seen God do through people who have millions. I've just seen it. It's just a reality. It's not about how much you have. It's about how faithful you are with what you've been given. And to whom much has been given, by the way, Jesus says, much is required. Wow, what a great reminder. You see why? We can't outgive God. God is a God who will provide. And God is a God who will bless those who give to him. Not just giving generally. Let me be very, very clear giving very specifically, very clearly in the name of Jesus. 
when I give a dollar or two or whatever amount to someone who's out there with one of those signs, and I don't make that my habit, I'm just saying when I do, I very clearly say I'm going to do this because I know that Jesus Christ has asked me to do this by the Holy Spirit. And I hope that you know him because that's the reason I'm doing it. I'm not doing it to get something that makes me feel good or ease my conscience or just be nice. Being nice gets you nothing in the eyes of God. Proclaiming why you're doing it in the name of Jesus, now that counts for something. Because God knows, you know, and whoever you do it for, they know. And that's a sign very clearly of you trusting God with whatever resource it is that you've been given. He blesses those who give to him. Isaiah 32, verse 8, a generous person devises generous things, and by their generosity they will stand. A generous person, guess what? A generous person does more and more generous things, and what does God allow them to do? They are able to give because they're willing to receive not only that God has given them, they give out of it, and what does God do? He gives them more. Someone who's generous, God is able to to bless them in a way where they can stand by that. When I think about what we've learned through this series, I think that's a perfect shift to prepare us for the Christmas season. And more importantly, to prepare us for what we're about to do. Because in the reality of us being a church, of us continuing to move forward, us continuing to become better as children of God, what does it require? It requires thankfulness, gratitude, recognizing that we are blessed, and also out of the blessing, whatever the amount of blessing is, being willing to say, God, I'm going to trust you with it. And I can tell you this, when you do that, he just has a way in his economy of blessing his people more. The Bible's all about it. You've seen it in your life, and my prayer is even now, we remember the one who gave it all. His son, Jesus. Can we pray together as we prepare our hearts for communion? Father, I just thank you today. I thank you that you are a God who blesses those who give. You bless those who trust you with what you've given to them. God, you are a God who is good and your goodness is everlasting. We bless you with all of our soul. We bless your name because you're a God who gives great benefits to us. Even as we're reminded now, you are a God who pardons our guilt, who heals our diseases, who redeems us from the pit. You crown us with favor and compassion. You satisfy our years with good things. You renew our strength like an eagle. God, I'm thankful that you are a God who cannot be outgiven. God, thank you that you are a God who will provide. And just as you did for Abraham and Isaac, you provided the sacrifice. Today we are reminded that you are a God who provides. And you bless those who trust you. And God, even in this moment, more important than any physical gift that we may have to give, my prayer right now is that we will give you our hearts. We will give you our souls. We will give you the kind of respect through our faith that you deserve.
as a God who is a God of giving to his children. We love you and we thank you for this moment that we share. In Jesus' name, amen. As you take your cup that you have received, in this moment as we prepare for the Lord's Supper, let me just give you a couple of words. Communion is not limited to a denomination. Communion is not limited to, well, you have to be a member of this church to participate in it. Um, Jesus gave his life freely to any who would receive him by faith. Did you hear that? Jesus gave his life freely. And so at this church at Calvary, we are not a place that excludes anyone from participating in a moment of joining themselves in communion in relationship to Jesus. But there is one requirement. You see, if you take of the, of the cup, if you take of the bread that we will participate in a moment, but you don't have a relationship with Jesus by faith, then you're just walking through a religious ritual. That's all you're doing. And that's not what we want for you today. That's not what God wants for you. What God desires from all of us is relationship. A relationship that we enter into by faith, by trusting in His Son, Jesus, that sacrifice that was provided for all of us. If you haven't done that, before we go any further, I just want to give you that moment to do so in the room or perhaps online. And it's very, very simple. It's a moment of personal surrender. It's not about what church you're going to. It's not about what title you put on yourself that is irrelevant to God. What's relevant is your relationship. So just for a moment before we go any further, perhaps you know that it's time for you to say yes in your heart to the Lord Jesus. Why don't we just take that moment to bow our heads. Christians, for those of you in the room and you know what Jesus means to you, bow your head and, and you pray because there perhaps is someone in this room or in the online family who right now is making the most important decision of their life and that is to give to give their heart to Jesus Father I just thank you right now that before we go any further in communion there are men and women and students right now who know that it's time and it's time to trust in Jesus as their Savior. If that's you right now, I just want to invite you to thank God for His gift of life through His Son, Jesus. By praying something like this, Father in heaven, thank you for loving me. And thank you for speaking to my heart right now. I know that I need Jesus. That He is the best gift to save my soul. He is the perfect sacrifice to rescue me. And by faith right now, I ask you, Jesus, to come and live in my heart. Save me. Change my life to follow you. And I turn my life to you. In your great name, Jesus. Amen. If you meant that in your heart today, now this is not a ritual or religion. This is a part of your relationship because Jesus gave his body and his blood as the sacrifice to save our souls. So with that, I want to ask you to go on and take the top off of your cup. And there it will reveal a wafer 
which is a reminder of the bread that Jesus shared with his disciples before he would go and give himself as the sacrifice on a cross. Matthew chapter 26, verse 26, it says this, While they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples. Who are his disciples? Those who followed him by faith, who trusted in him as the Savior. He gave the bread to them, and this is what he said. This is my body which is broken for you. And that was the reminder that Jesus was going to the cross to have his body broken as a sacrifice in the place of them for the forgiveness of their sins. Today it's a reminder God has given us the greatest gift. And what can we give in return? Our hearts, ourselves, our lives. Just as Jesus shared with his disciples then, so too we take in remembrance of what he has given to us. So in remembrance of Christ and his body broken for us, take and eat in remembrance of him. Jesus, we thank you for your body that you gave. On a cross, the punishment that you took in our place so that we wouldn't have to. So that our souls would be set free and our home in heaven would be secure. And in this life, we could become the sons and daughters that were blessed by you. We don't take it for granted. Thank you. We're grateful for your blessings and your gift. Your gift of life that we celebrate today in Jesus' name. Amen. Likewise, in that moment of communion, there was a cup, so I want you to go ahead and take the top off. And the cup is symbolic because Jesus shared this with all of his followers there on that Lord's Supper moment. And he said to them something very beautiful. This is my blood of a new covenant, which is given. Catch this. It is given. What did he do? He gave. Why? For the forgiveness of many. It would be awesome if he said all. But all doesn't happen. It only happens when those who say, Yes, Jesus, your blood was given for me. I receive that. Not everybody receives it. But today you hold a reminder. And I pray that by your faith today, a reminder of what Jesus gave. So that you can say, Yes, Jesus that's my sins that were forgiven. You gave that for me. So just like with his disciples then, so too we today, we take and we drink in remembrance of what he gave for us. Jesus, what a great reminder of the power of giving. You sacrificed and you gave your all so that we could live. God, teach us how to get better as we follow you by faith, being thankful, grateful, understanding what it means to be blessed, and out of our blessings, being willing to give. We thank you for that 
today and your indescribable gift of saving our souls. We love you, Jesus. It's in your holy name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. Because today as we close and we remember the gift of Jesus, and as we move toward Christmas and remembering who he is and what he's done, I can't think of a better way to finish our communion service today than to worship him for being the God who gives us life. Let's sing together.